Hello and welcome to another episode of Drill to Detail, the podcast series about innovation around big data, analytics and data warehousing in the cloud. My name is Mark Whitman and I'm pleased to be joined in this episode by FJ, co-founder and CEO at Imply and co-author of Druid, an open source high performance, column orientated distributed data store used by Imply and lots of other query tools you might have heard of recently, such as Superset, that need fast OLAP style query support. So FJ, welcome to the show. And why don't you introduce yourself, introduce yourself properly to the listeners and uh, let us know who you are. Yeah, hey guys. Hey everyone listening. Uh, my name is FJ. Um, as Mark mentioned, I am one of the co-founders at a startup based in San Francisco called Imply. And I'm also one of the original authors behind the Druid open source project. Uh, so for folks that may have never heard of Druid before, it's a uh, analytics database that's primarily designed for event data. Uh, as for my background, um, I worked on Druid initially at a company called MetaMarkets, which was then acquired by Snapchat. And prior to that, uh, I was from Canada originally, where I came from the University of Waterloo in Canada. Okay, fantastic. So FJ, so the way we know each other and the way I knew about Imply was um, I'd been struggling uh, back at the office back uh, back in the UK, trying to get Druid to work as a back end for, um, I think, Superset at the time, and some general work I was playing around with. And um, and it was quite hard to kind of work with. And I posted on uh, Twitter at the time, uh, you know, Druid is fantastic, apart from the actual kind of like setting it up and, and running it and so on. And I think somebody, it might have been you or one of your colleagues, just posted a very terse reply back on Twitter saying, try imply. So uh, I had a look at the uh, your website and looked at what you were doing. And um, what you've done there is you built out a tool, brought out a whole company, I suppose, called Imply that um, that kind of makes Druid easy to work with and you put a front end on it. And that's probably a, a very kind of, uh, you know, um, simple, simple introduction to what you do. But tell us a bit about um, what Imply is and um, I suppose what you're trying to do at a very high level with Druid and get into detail in a moment. Yeah. Um, so that's the Druid part first. Um, so Druid is really designed to ingest like large volumes of event data. Uh, this is data typically generated by users interacting with products. It might be generated by uh, like uh, systems themselves and, and really any other sort of interaction, uh, which is just generating time series data. Um, Druid is a very powerful technology. Uh, obviously, it's something that was designed to work first, and we've been gradually spending more and more time making it just easier to get started with. Uh, Imply is sort of the continuation of that work, so it's designed to package Druid in a really nice way. Uh, it's designed to be really easy to get started with it. Uh, but even more importantly, there's an entire application layer we've built on top of Druid to really surface what the engine is really good at. Um, Druid is really like used for a lot of like very rapid slice and dice queries. So you stream data directly into the system and then you issue like rapid slice and dice OLAP queries on, on top of that data. Uh, and then Imply provides the application management, visualization, uh, deployment and security kind of just around that core engine. Okay. Okay. So, so, and the, again, one of the reasons that I came across Druid was um, the place I'm working at the moment, uh, Qubit, we, we do a lot of, uh, landing of very granular data and we currently land it into BigQuery, Google BigQuery. And that is you know, fantastic at, at storing data and, 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 and processing it in large kind of quantities. But uh, we, you know, we had a need at the time to get data out, very small amounts of data, you know, with kind of very fast response times. And so that's where Druid came in as a, as a thing I was thinking of. And looking back at the story of Druid, it's kind of interesting. I mean, 
Tell us, so I suppose to go, going, back to, going back to what you said about meta markets there, tell us a bit about the role you did there and, and what led meta markets to, I suppose, come up with the need for this and, and, and this solution. Right. Uh, so meta markets is an advertising analytics startup. Um, so I was one of the first employees at the company. And when we first started, uh, what we were trying to do was basically create an application that was designed for uh, all sorts of users, not just the not just like analysts, um, but people that may not have like a background in data science or may not have a background in engineering. Uh, so what we wanted these people to do was to access an application and then be able to very rapidly perform slice and dice OLAP analytics on, on advertising data. Um, so what was interesting about like programmatic advertising data is uh, there's a lot of it. So you could be a very small company in the space, but you could be generating tons of data. Um, so for everyone out there who's not familiar with programmatic advertising, the idea is, if you imagine a, a website like Facebook, um, basically in the milliseconds before, like when you go to Facebook and the milliseconds it takes for Facebook to load, there's actually a very complex process that's happening behind the scenes, which is understanding kind of who you are uh, and your, your, your demographic. And advertisers basically programmatically try to outbid each other to display you an ad based on who you are. Uh, so it's very like, sophisticated, interesting process uh, and, and kind of the state of the art of, of where advertising is today, where a whole ton of data is getting processed. And more importantly than that, there's there's tons of folks in the background basically processing that information and then trying to display you an ad. And, and this whole process just generates a ton of data. So MetaRockets had this pretty niche product, uh, which was designed for programmatic advertising data and then providing a lot of users within the company access to that data. Uh, so the scale, the complexity of the data and the volume and, and the rate it was coming in, they were all challenges. And initially, uh, you know, we looked at a bunch of different systems. We looked at relational databases, we looked at key value stores, looked at various solutions in the, in the Hadoop ecosystem uh, to try and, and find an engine uh, that could basically power a power UI that we were thinking about. And uh, there was really nothing in the space that really addressed our needs. So as engineers do, you start writing code mm. and, and Druid was the result. Mm, yeah, I, I guess it's quite. I mean, I can see, I can see, obviously, why you wouldn't go down the relational, um, relational database route because you have a lot of overhead there around transactions and all that kind of stuff that wouldn't be appropriate in this kind of instance there. But you say that none of the key value store or or, or kind of NoSQL databases were appropriate. You know, why was that? I mean, surely out of all of them, there there'd be one of them that would have been appropriate for you. Right. Um, so at the time, 2011 was when Druid oh. started, and at that time. Um, there, there were a couple of different ways. I mean, even today, key value stores are not a very good fit for analytics. Mm. Uh, the reason is because there's, there's two methods that key value stores get used. Uh, so one is you pre-compute out basically every query that you think your user is going to make. And the idea is, is that your primary key uh, is going to exactly match kind of the filter or, or the query that the user makes. And then your result is, is uh, an exact match for that, for that uh, query. Uh, so the idea is basically your key value store is like a giant in-memory in cache. And that works to a certain extent if your data is like not very complex, if you don't have a lot of attributes of your data, if it, there's not many columns of data, you can pre-compute out the total query set. Um, but for a lot of real-world data sets, especially ones that may have like hundreds or, or thousands of attributes um, with their data, that query set can grow exponentially in size. And as, as your data changes, as you add and remove columns, you have to keep recomputing things out. So that's one problem. Um, that approach was used for a while, but it's not really used that much anymore. 
Uh, the thing that's a little bit more common nowadays is to kind of do what's known as like a range scan. Uh, so if you use things like Cassandra or, or other systems um, as, as kind of a time series store, uh, you basically do a range scan on, on your primary key. Um, there's kind of two trade-offs there. Uh, one is that uh, for a lot of OLAP queries, they include a lot of filters. They filter on certain dimensions, they filter on certain values, they filter on attributes, they filter on time ranges. And when you leverage a key value store, um, there's no real way of matching kind of the exact data that's required for your query. Uh, that level of intelligence is, is not there within the key value store. So you oftentimes have to scan a lot more data than, than what is actually required for the query. Uh, another problem with the key value store is basically uh, this idea that compute and store are, are actually pretty separated. Uh, so every time you issue a query uh, to your key value store, it, it filters the data, and that data gets actually pulled into some intermediate compute buffer where the runs are actually crunched. So what this means for, for every query that you issue, there's actually a ton of data that gets shuffled around into these compute buffers uh, before results can get crunched. And um, at scale, it's just something that becomes pretty limiting, and um, there's a lot of impacts on performance. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that I can see. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there, and and but parts of what you're saying there as well. And I guess one of the reasons why I was interested in Druid and some of the things you were doing was a lot of what you're talking about is is, um, is kind of OLAP and multi-dimensional OLAP, and and certainly. You, you know, your you know, Druid was the first of these kind of stores that talked about things like aggregation on load and so on there. I mean, I was surprised that nobody else has come across that as a need. And, and uh, But it sounds like you were one of the first pioneers in that area to build this out on a kind of a, a big data scale, really. Yeah, uh, I think OLAP is one of these terms uh, that was popular maybe 10 or 20 years ago, but yes. become popular uh, in recent times. And, you know, part of our goal is obviously trying to trying to bring focus back into like what exactly is OLAP. Because uh, you think about like OLAP really, it is like, you know, looking at subsections of your data. It's looking, it's, it's doing a lot of like aggregations. It's, it's not just uh, searching for some particular like set of data or it's not just looking at, you're not doing like a select all query. Most of the time you're looking at a subset of your data and you're aggregating a bunch of numbers together. And, and those numbers are, are important for your business. So I think we were one of the first systems to actually really start tackling OLAP in, in the sense of a, building a distributed system around it. But there have been, you know, previous generations of, of systems that were not distributed. They were kind of like single server and you kind of scale up by having larger and larger servers. Um, but I think part of the, the attraction of Druid today is its ability to, to do like really, really fast OLAP at scale. So, uh, yeah, we had we had Julian Hyde on the on the show um, a little while ago and he was involved. He obviously right. was the person behind, um, behind the Mondrian project. Now, that again is OLAP right. on, on a large scale, but that is my understanding is that's a, I suppose a, a, an OLAP um, sort of catalog or, or metadata layer over a relational technology. Right. Whereas what Druid is is very very it's very separate. It's very dis different. It's the storage layer, isn't it really? Yeah. Um, so I don't know everything uh, about Mondrian. Um, I can say it's been more like a classic uh, OLAP tool. Um, what makes Druid different, I think, is, is a couple of different things. So one, it's uh, if you actually dig into the architecture, uh, it's it's basically a column store kind of combined with a search system, um, which is a little bit of a like you know obviously a search system is not unique and a column store is not unique, but I think the combination of the, the two ideas is something that's pretty unique and something that's uh, I think well applicable to OLAP. Uh, I think the other thing that really makes uh, Druid pretty unique is its ability to handle streaming data. 
Um, so Druid is like an OLAP engine that's really, really targeted towards like time series data. So uh, events are getting generated by a multitude of products and users. Mm, yeah. So, so when I when I've been playing around with with, with uh, Druid, one of the concepts that I first came across was segments um, and how they work in memory. And and I suppose dealing with and managing segments is quite a key part of the of the kind of the admin tasks if you're working with Druid directly. I mean, maybe explain to us what segments right. are and how they fit into the architecture and and, and how, why they're so right. critical to the way things work. Right. Um, so the way that so the, the way that Druid works is time is a very special attribute in Druid. And our first level sharding is basically always done on time. Um, so you think of the way that most people use Druid, they basically have a stream of events or a stream of time series data that they feed directly into Druid. And Druid, uh, what it does internally is it partitions or it shards this data based on timestamp first. And each like time partition slice is called a segment. So within a segment, uh, so segments are usually uh, bounded by some period of time. Um, typically, you see a segment containing a day's worth of data or an hour's worth of data, depending on scale. And within a segment, um, data is stored in a column orientation. And within all the columns, which you typically filter on, there's actually search indexes that get built for those columns. Uh, so that's the overall idea of, of how Druid works, that the first level partitioning is done on time. It creates segments. There might be additional levels of partitioning within the segments themselves. Okay. So the other thing that I um, was very obvious to me was it was the fact that Druid would handle streaming data coming in, but there was this distinction between batch loading and streaming loading and so on. I mean, and and so tell us about that and I suppose the benefits of that and and I suppose what that means in terms of how data is loaded into Druid because we can talk in a moment about how that's a lot easier with, with Imply as well. Right. Um, so the way I guess you can you can think of Druid working as a system is it like pulls the, a source of raw data into itself and it takes that raw data and it puts it into a format that's highly optimized for like analytic OLAP aggregation heavy queries. Uh, so that's I think very there's a lot of similarities between how Druid works and how a, a typical search system works. So you think about system, you have like raw data, you feed it into the search system, it creates indexes of that raw data, and those indexes are designed for like very fast full text search on that data. This is how like Elasticsearch and Splunk and many other search systems work. Um, Druid is, is different there. Uh, what, what it, so it, there's similarities and differences. The similarities are it connects to a source of raw data, and then it takes that raw data, indexes it, and puts it into a column format that's very good for like aggregations and slice and dice analytics. Um, so there's two ways of getting data in. One is you kind of just stream in data. So Druid can support like exactly one's consumption of data for message buses such like Kafka or Kinesis. Um, it can also support out-of-the-box integrations with a variety of stream processors, such as Apache Flink or Spark Streaming, uh, Storm, and many others. Um, the the uh, streaming data is nice in that you can, you can basically see events uh, occurring basically immediately after they occur. Um, it also supports a batch mode, which is, you know, if you have static files on a file system somewhere and you have essentially years of static files and kind of want to load into, into Druid in one go, uh, it supports that as well. So the system is inherently able to understand both uh, streaming data coming in from some sort of streaming system and also a batch load of, of data that's re represented, at least in raw form, by files in some file system somewhere. Okay. Okay. And and so just to kind of finish painting the picture of what Druid is, I mean, it, what we've described so far sounds quite technical and and uh, quite abstract. Yeah. And, 
But you know, certainly what I've been finding is that Druid is, I suppose, the default backend technology for a lot of SaaS apps that have analytics built into the application where they need to have very fast response time. Um, what I would in the old days are called kind of OLAP style response time, um, but on the sort of scale you'd get with these you know, large scale multi-tenant sort of SaaS applications. And Yeah, um, so the project is extremely well adopted today. Um, mm. A lot of, uh, it tends to be adopted by pretty large enterprises today uh, just because you know there's, there's a little bit of overhead to setting it up and, and people really need to have like a scale of data complexity issue before they seek out Druid. Um, in terms of what it is, yeah, like at a very high level, how people use it is they have some sort of analytics application that they're trying to power or they want to give out to, you know, they want to have a bunch of users use it at the same time. Um, this analytics application is dealing with event stream that's of very high volume. So this could be server logs, it could be cybersecurity data, it could be network flows, it could be, you know, the, the output of, of your digital business, or it could be like user product interaction. So those are some of the, the canonical data sets that end, their, end up in Druid. Um, and the users all, you know, they tend to be across a variety of different functions within, within the company. So there might be, you know, product owners, it might be uh, people doing sales or marketing, understanding how their, how their campaigns are doing. Uh, it might be executives or it might be the engineers or operational folks within a company themselves. Yeah, it's it's really designed for like a very multi-tenant environment and a very large, complex like streaming data set. Okay, okay. So so certainly, I mean, certainly Druid got my attention at the time, but then yeah, actually implementing it, as you say, can be it, it's some technical tasks involved in doing that. And um, and that's when I came across Imply. So um, tell us a bit about what, just remind us again, what, what, is, it, what is the company Imply trying to do and and what's the relationship between what you're doing and the druid open source project right so i guess similar to what elastic does for elastic search and what confluent does for apache kafka uh, imply is a company that has druid at its core um, the idea is that we you know at imply we do spend a lot of time kind of building out the open source and working with the community to, to drive the project forward uh, the last vast bulk of contributions that go into Druid and, and the roadmap is, is really dri- being driven by Imply. Um, similar to other companies that have uh, an, op- an open source, uh, I guess, project at the heart of the company, um, Imply has an open core model. So we, we package Druid, we make it a lot more enterprise ready by adding management, operations, security, features that the enterprise requires. Um, you know, there's folks that want to build applications on top of Druid and plug different UIs on top of Druid. Uh, we have a UI that basically works out of the box. Uh, that UI is designed for uh, loading data very easily and also visualizing the data very easily. So exposing kind of what Druid is best at. Um, so, so that's uh, that's that's part of uh, our story. Is that you know we have a relationship with the, with this open source that we continue to drive it forward. But you know we also have this enterprise product. Uh, something that works both on premise and works in the cloud that that we give out to our customers. Yeah, I mean, so certainly, I mean, there are I say there are other companies out there that have taken a, a, a open source core and then they've added maybe management tools around it or some, you know, maybe some value add there. But certainly, what you guys have done is, is to me, is a lot is a lot more than that really. And in that you've been building out mm-hmm. a kind of a front end tool, you've done you've solved some of the problems around the management side. Um, and you know, it's more than just kind of adding, I suppose, you know, an admin tool to the end. And so that's again is what, what part of my interest was here. Um, so tell us about this it, on right. your website and in your materials. You talk a lot about event analytics, and you said earlier on that Druid was was really optimized for you know loading in time series data. So maybe tell us just define what yeah. event analytics are, and you know, and what problem are you solving for that market that that hadn't been done before really? 
Yeah. Uh, so what, what event analytics is? So when I say events, I mean kind of like event streams. Um, mm-hmm. Some people, you know, the Apache Kafka community kind of calls with log data. Uh, I don't really call it log data because that has like heavy, I guess, association with, with server logs. Um, but it's sort of a wider set of data that can be thought of as events. Uh, so when I think of an event, it's uh, basically a discrete data point, which represents some sort of occurrence uh, within a system or within a product. Um, so the idea is that, you know, a lot of popular event streams we see are, you know, you know every uh, on the web nowadays, whenever someone interacts with a web property or interacts with some sort of web product, basically everything you're doing, uh, like whether you're looking on the page or you're clicking on the page, all those actions are generating discrete data points, which can then be further analyzed. So if you're making purchases online, you're doing views, or, or you're just clicking around on some web property, those are all generating events. Uh, at the same time, server logs is, is also a, a popular source of events. So these are events about what's happening in your servers, the CPU, the, the latencies, uh, the logs that are, that are kind of being generated there. Um, and yeah, uh, events also occur in the form of like network flows, so, you know, every packet that's getting sent to a network is a discrete event um, with, with cybersecurity data as well, like intrusions or threats or anomalies against the system. Those are really just like network flows that need to be analyzed mm-hmm. further. Um, in, in the digital media world where Druid first started, uh, in the advertising world, it would be, you know, people looking at an ad and then whether they click on the ad or not, or like that would be a very important thing uh, kind of occurring in the background. Okay, so so would there be? I mean, going back to to my example of where I was using BigQuery before, and and but trying to get faster response time than than, than that. Are there right. are there are there types of, of of data or types of kind of I suppose um um you know use cases or uh, things that wouldn't suit Druid? You know, is, is it the case that Druid is just a better yeah. store for data for analytics than a thing like BigQuery, or are there a particular niche or or or, or usage that suits it best really? Right. Uh, so BigQuery is like a data warehouse, and that's not what really Druid is. Um, so if you think about the data warehousing products out there, BigQuery, Redshift, Snowflake, um, and, and many others, they, they, they kind of play in the same space, uh, you know, even the Oracles and Teradatas. And what data warehouses are especially good at is the flexibility. Uh, so if you think about what a standard data warehouse does, you can have back back office analysts basically write SQL queries that are like a thousand lines in length, right? It can involve like complex joins between many different data sets to kind of get the response that you want. And like that's all well and good. Uh, and it's like very, very important. Those queries might take 30 minutes to respond. They might take some significant time before you get a response. And like that's what canonical data warehousing is about. Um, but there's another set of use cases with data where recency and immediacy is important. So, you know, you, you want to see events occur you want to be able to analyze events right after they occur. And also you might want to start doing slice and dice queries on data to understand why something is happening in real time. So this is like sub-second queries on data that, that just occurred less than a second before. Um, so that immediacy and recency powers, if you have some sort of application that's user facing, you know, having users wait for minutes while they're accessing like a UI is, is not a good experience. Um, so those, those workflows, which are, I think, a lot more operational in nature, uh, those are what like Druid is good for. Uh, whereas things that are like much more standard data warehousing related is something that BigQuery would be much better at. Um, and I think those are sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, so like data warehousing is something that like back office analysts, uh, may, may care about a lot more. And then the operational characteristics, 
uh, the immediacy and, and like immediate, like immediately seeing visualizations update. Uh, that's something that other people in an organization care about. Yeah. What, what about, so let's get on to, we'll get on to pivot now and I'll come, we'll come back to employer manager in a moment. So pivot is what surprised me about when I saw your tool pivot, that's part of the, the, the suite of things you build built is it's an OLAP tool and, and it's got dimensions. It's got fat. It's got kind of measures metrics. Sorry. Um, it, it has a very strict, very strict kind of data model of, of, of dimension attributes and, 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 uh, and metrics. I mean, that's in, that's interesting because I haven't seen that out of the latest generation of kind of BI tools. It's been you know, OLAP and very kind of defined dimensional models is, is not something I've seen much, much used. What, what led you down that route really? And, and why take that approach with, with Pivot really? Um, yeah, so having, so I think like a lot of data is looking more and more unstructured nowadays and unstructured data has its benefits and it's like drawbacks. Um, one of the benefits is obviously you don't have to design, define like a, a hard schema. Um, and like that allows you more flexibility and it's a little bit easier to just, just get your data kind of in something. Um, Druid has, Druid has like two methods of, of, uh, basically intaking data. It can do, um, like a mostly schemaless model where you just, you just kind of define your attributes and, and Druid will kind of figure out what those attributes are, um, and, and what you can do with them. Uh, and it's, it's another way of operating in Druid where you basically define a schema to Druid and that schema has a notion of dimensions and measures using the more standard OLAP terminology. Uh, once you define that schema, uh, Druid can be much more intelligent about like what indexes it creates for dimensions, like how it represents measures and that like, there's like direct performance, compression, storage, et cetera, like benefits once you start defining a schema. So the more of a schema uh, that you define, the more optimizations we can apply. Uh, so in Pivot, because we're really, Pivot is, so is, is a UI obviously targeted for like end users and organizations, a variety of different roles. Uh, the idea is we want them to have kind of the best performance and, and the, the best experience possible. So we try and force people to actually define a schema just so we can start applying all those optimizations to get the best performance in storage. Mm, yeah. So who, who would you say has been the target user of, uh, of Pivot then? Uh, I actually say where uh, people have liked it the most are people that have like operational roles. So mm. uh, people that are really responsible for explaining why something is kind of happening uh, within a data set. Um, the, so we, we've seen, you know, people that are more on traditional IT who like just take the data and just, you know, they get asked questions like, hey, why is this happening? Or like, can you explain this trend or that other trend? And they're able to, they, they're able to use a tool like Pivot to really rapidly like slice and dice the data to get to the, Get to the results or get to the answer that they're looking for. Okay, okay, and and there's also imply imply SQL in there as well, and and I, that, again, that's one thing that led me on to maybe speak to Julian Hyde. Actually, uh, presumably that is a SQL in, SQL kind of layer built using Apache CalSite. Is that correct? Tell us about that, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so CalSite is, I think, become a standard for a lot of these open source tools to build their SQL layers uh, with. Um, so what we've done is we actually worked together with Julian uh, mm. and we integrated CalSite to Druid. Um, so Imply SQL really is just Apache CalSite and we built like a nice UI to, as a front basically for, for CalSite. Okay. I mean, I, I was I was really impressed at the quality of the stuff you built there. I mean, the, the, the quality of the front end, typically, you know, in a startup and, and, and particularly things at like OLAP, it's, it's, it's fairly kind of basic, but I was very impressed with the quality of the of the SQL bit you did and also, you know, the front end. And But then the thing that really struck me was Imply Manager. And that goes back to 
I guess the original kind of problem that led me to find your product in the first place, um, you know, the cluster management, the loading and so on. Tell us about Imply Manager and, and, and what it does and what it adds beyond what you get normally with just the, the open source um, version of Druid. Yeah, um, so I guess like for anyone that's ever worked with distributed systems before, hmm. uh, like working with like an open source system, like the setup is, is like the most painful part just because there's like a lot of different pieces and all those pieces need to like be connected and really be able to work together. Um, so people, like from what I've seen, it's easy to get kind of a quick start up and running on your own laptop, but people really struggle with setting up like the system across multiple machines because now there's tuning involved. There's, you know, configuration that's involved. Uh, there's, there's understanding like how do you, how do you like set this thing up for a particular like type of hardware? So, uh, we, you know, we were spending a lot of time basically helping people with the same set of questions. And as engineers, we decided to really productize uh, the work that we were doing. So uh, we created a system that is, is really designed to make deployment of a complex distributed system pretty easy. So through a few clicks, you can, kind of, uh, you can kind of select your hardware that you want this stuff to run on and then just be able to go and, and deploy everything. Um, the the idea is that like you know if you want to be able to update your software without taking any downtime for your users, uh, you can write some pretty complex scripts to do that, or you're just using our product in kind of one click, and and then uh, the 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 software will just update from one version to another in a rolling in a rolling update fashion without any downtime for users. Imply Manager is, is encapsulating that vision of really being. Uh, making it so that you don't really have to have expertise in a distributed system to be able to set one up in a highly available fashion. So, uh, so currently you support building clusters in, in Amazon Web Services. Is there any kind of plans to bring that out, cover maybe things like uh, Google Compute Engine, you know, other, other kind of like cloud environments other than, um, other than uh, AWS? Yeah, absolutely. So it's absolutely on our roadmap to take a lot of the management software and basically work in any environment, including kind of on-premise. Okay. Okay. So, um, and I guess also that if you you can also use Imply Manager as a way of just managing uh, Druid, if you're going to use it for other things as well. So, you know, you can build your clusters in there. You can power, uh, you know, you can power pivot with it, but you can also power yeah. other things as well. So it's a you know, it's a general management environment for Druid as well. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So that that's the goal of uh, it's a general environment for all Druid for everything kind of related to Imply. You can use your own application. Uh, you can actually write your own extensions to the system, add your own functionality, or you can use a lot of the stuff that we've pre-built already. We're pretty flexible on how what you want to do. So, so how is how what is your licensing model like? I mean, so how is everything is everything kind of freemium? Is it? Or, I mean, how, how do you? Um, what's the distinction between the open source part and what you charge for, and, and generally how does that kind of process work? Yeah, uh, so I guess similar to many other uh, organizations out there that have an open source project, um, the engine is basically open source. So Druid as an engine is open source. Uh, Imply builds a lot of the application around the engine. So UI for load data, manage data, secure the data, and also visualize it. So all that is, is obviously proprietary to our business. Um, but the engine remains open. And, uh, we're actually taking Druid to the Apache Software Foundation. Uh, so if anything, it's going to be more open with when we encourage sort of more businesses to get involved uh, and contribute to the project. Okay. Okay. And um, so taking things forward, I mean, th- th- I suppose th- there's plans you might have for, for you know, improving extending Druid and there's plans for your product line as well. I mean, what's the, what, what's the next problem to be solved or, or within, with Druid, for example? What's the thing that you're kind of working on now to, to try and tackle to make it even more, you know, adopted and, and so on? Right. 
so today, actually, where a lot of our efforts, efforts are focused is on that use of component, use of ETH component of Druid. So we really want to try to make Druid as easy and as uh, simple to deploy as possible. Uh, so I think the biggest challenge with Druid today is, is probably just uh, getting that data ingestion pipeline set up. So I have my raw data in the file system or having Kafka. How do I get into the system with like minimum management and minimum thinking? So we're going to make that really nice and smooth and make sure like, you know, errors or imperfections of the data are also going to get surfaced. Uh, and then after that, um, just kind of extending the functionality of Druid, uh, being able to better handle like nested data, being able to expand the features such as full text search uh, and more time series oriented use cases. So a lot of that are, are just things that, that are going to be coming up. Um, for on Imply side, uh, we're planning to announce uh, the general availability of, of Imply Cloud, which is our, our cloud product where, where the, management, the management software currently lives uh, very shortly, uh, probably without it before this podcast actually goes out. Um, but uh, there's a ton of stuff we're developing on the application side as well. Just uh, a lot of our, our workflows is really around slicing and dicing uh, data, and we're just going to build more and more tools for doing that. Okay. I mean, so, something that would be interesting as well would be certainly when I when I when I trialed your software, um, your your imply manager tool is very good for kind of helping me manage my own cluster of uh, AWS hosted. Um, you know, Druid nodes, but also maybe you guys hosting it and offering it as a service will be interesting as well. To, you know, to, the next step on is to take away even that that bit of complexity, really, and just handle that for the customer. I right. guess on your roadmap, right. maybe that's something you're thinking about as well. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that's definitely something that we're, we're going to look at doing. Um, mm. I think the biggest thing there is always getting around security yeah. requirements of everything, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But certainly that would be interesting. So so tell us then, just to wrap up then, tell us um, how people would find out about Druid, but, but more importantly, how would they find out about Imply um, and how would they get maybe a trial or, or, or somehow get to sort of kick the tires a little bit with uh, with your product? Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say that uh, people want to get started with Druid. They can go to Druid.io. Uh, that's the web page. That is the community page. And obviously you're working with a stock, more stock open source project there. Um, if you want to get started with Imply, which is something a little bit more catered toward enterprises and has that whole suite of software around it, you can go to Imply.io. Um, I, I, I'm obviously biased, but I think people should get started with Imply just because the scripts and, and everything is just going to make it much easier to get started with. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that, actually. Certainly, it was a revelation. Um, you, you know, trying to get Druid running through your software than to try and do it myself. Now, I got, I got, I got it working with what I was trying to do, but but certainly it was a lot easier to, to get the... I suppose to get the experience of what Druid is like and see the whole thing kind of packaged up really in a way that was easy to use. So I would say that if anybody you know listening is considering looking at Druid, you know, do it through your tool. It's a much nicer experience. You can get to see whether it's suitable for your data and your use cases and, and not get caught up in, you know, scripting loads and all that kind of thing really. So I, I would endorse that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a ton of information online about Druid and how to get started with it. Um, and Obviously, uh, Imply as well has user forms. Druid has user forms. If people get stuck, just feel free to go to those forms to find out more and get help. Excellent. Well, FJ, it's been great speaking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on the show and talk to us about uh, Imply and Druid. Um, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, take care and good luck for the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.